Welcome to the Aaron's High Cabinet Radio Program. Social media, go to our Facebook page, Aaron's Gun Shop. Like us on Facebook. The more likes we get, obviously, the more people get to share it and see it and know what's going on and become part of it, and it helps out everybody, okay? So like us on Facebook, and if you want to check us out or subscribe to us on YouTube, the YouTube channel, Aaron's Gun Shop, we've got a tremendous amount of videos of interviews, product spotlights, training videos, the whole work. So you can learn a lot of things watching the YouTube channel at Aaron's Gun Shop. So check it out there. Now, let me give you an idea of what's coming up on today's show. As always, we got true stories of self-defense coming out of the American Rifleman's The Armed Citizens column. And once again, I'm getting it out of a 1982 issue. And I'm doing that on purpose because I want to see the differences, like I said before, in the contrast of how stories are written, types of equipment that they're using. But you always notice that the the events end up being the same. Somebody tries to break in, they stop them using deadly force, the works. But it's the, the method, the manner, and the different types of equipment that they use. Now, after that, we're going to have License to Carry our attorney segment with the attorney extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson. And we started a series. We're doing uh, each week, we're going to be doing one of the amendments of the Bill of Rights. And this week is going to be the Second Amendment. That's the big one, okay? That one protects all, protects all the other ones, the Second Amendment. We'll be talking about that with attorney extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson. And then we have the delicious Janae Goodman. This week, she's the tactical snacker, and this week she's going to be talking about the food culture, the history of food and how it develops in our our culture here in America. In the Armed Citizens column of the American Rifleman, talking about true stories of self-defense, I've got attorney extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson to the left here, and I've got a first story that I'm going to ask him a question on, so be ready, Ross. Story number one. Clint Bergen, 72, had lived most of his life in Little Georgetown, Minnesota, and knew that the four suspicious characters he saw across the street from his place didn't belong there at 4 a.m. He grabbed a 12-gauge shotgun, went to investigate, and when he saw that the men carrying cases out of a liquor store, he shot out the tires of their car and put them to flight. The suspects were later captured by police who said the arrest cleared up a string of local burglaries. Grateful local businessmen honored Bergen with a dinner and a cash award. Do you have any idea what I'm going to ask you, Ross? No. Do you think shooting out somebody's tire in this day and age would be acceptable? He's thinking. I said it probably depends, but yeah, I can see your point that uh, that's a dangerous move. And the reason I say that is that'd be almost like a warning shot in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to pull your weapon out, you either use it using Penal Code 904, Threat is Justifiable Force, where you don't actually use it, but you show the person that, hey, I, I can defend myself if necessary, or... You do the dirty deed. Shooting at car tires is probably not a good idea because you never know where those bullets are going to go. They could bounce, hit somebody else, reckless injury, so on and so forth. You want to make a comment on that, Ross? This is a scatter gun, right? Scatter gun, 12 gauge. So right? I guess that's probably, the, in your professional opinion, the best one to use to shoot out tires. <laughs> well, they do it in the movies quite well, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm not shooting at tires, buddy. If I'm shooting, uh, you know, we're, we're aiming at something else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Legally speaking, I, I guess they were committing theft and burglary at nighttime. They're committing a felony. Protection of property of third persons, if it have that protection, I mean, it's probably legal. But, yeah, like you said, man, here. It would not right. look favorable in the news if you did that, yeah. right? It, and that's that's not a good thing, right? I mean, I mean, but at the same time, you're right. That could have, no telling where those, where those, bullets may win. The bottom line is be a better witness. Get the license plate, get a description of the people, but shooting a weapon like that, although it's cool, the old man did a good job, you know, blah, 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 it's it's reckless in this day and age. Don't do it. Okay, story number two. Police had staked out Robert Edwards' Portsmouth 
a Portsmouth, Virginia men's store expecting an armed robber to strike. But they weren't Let's see. But they weren't needed in the end. While the criminal demanded cash, Edwards pulled a pistol and held him for the waiting police. Well, you see, we're just supporting the police. The civilian population can support the police and vice versa. Law enforcement can um, support the civilian populace. So that kind of worked out both ways. Story number three. An armed robber disguised in the bizarre combination of a woman's wig, makeup, and overcoat was driven out of a Valley View, Pennsylvania drugstore when an unadopted identified patron produced a pistol and shouted for him to leave. The bandit beat a hasty retreat, driving into the trunk of a waiting getaway car. That's just being prepared, ladies and gentlemen. You you have your weapon on, you got a license to carry, you got your gun, you know how to use it, you understand the, the mindset and the mechanics, and it enables your response time to be proficient, where you can thwart a would-be robber from doing what he wants to do by being a readily armed citizen who knows what they're doing. You get, I'm sorry, I, get, I gotta go, but you got me thinking. One time I was, when I was little, I had a, a pellet gun and there was a trampoline. I was like, man, I'm gonna sh- that old trampoline, I'm gonna shoot a hole in that trampoline. I shot that trampoline. Thing came to get it. You know, there's your sign. But uh, well, what, what does that teach you? Use a higher velocity. <laughs> <laughs> It's physics, man. It's, it's trigonometry. It's trigonometry, that's right, man. Uh, but if you shoot the tire, you got to run a risk of ever those things coming back on you? I mean, is, it, is that ever a risk? Well, I've shot... I, I would get old tires and put cardboard inserts in them, and then somebody on one side of the range would roll it down a ramp and it would bounce. And so you got your basic 500 security pump shotgun, and as it's rolling across the the range there, you get five rounds at it, and you're shooting at it. I've never had bounce back on it, but there's always that possibility. It could hit a steel belt. Um, it could hit the the rim of the car. Anything. Can, I mean, you you a, cannot determine. You cannot guarantee where those rounds are going to go. I said, that would be really bad, right? If you, I'm going to shoot their tire, and then all of a sudden you take yourself out. <laughs> hey, I know somebody who was putting a target on a T-post, a metal T-post for a fence. They were hanging it there. They were shooting a 9 millimeter, and they had it where the backside was facing them. So when the bullet hit, it went in one of those recesses, the curves on the backside, and went right back and hit him in the stomach. So oh, you got to be careful what you're shooting at, your backstop, and all that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. I'm sorry about no, that. It's all good radio, dude. Okay, last story here from the Armed Citizens column. Gary Backum, Backum was surprised to find a van with his engine running in the driveway of his Charlotte, North Carolina home when he returned for lunch. He was even more surprised when he saw a pair of burglars trying to remove his 25-inch console-colored TV set. He grabbed a 38 and held them for police. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, nothing wrong with that. It's just interesting how... It's not really interesting. He pulled out a 38, but this is a 1982 story. A lot of people are pulling out 32 calibers, 25 autos, 22s, um, 38 revolvers. So this is just a plain Jane story. Somebody comes home and finds somebody robbing his house and holds him at bay with his thirty-eight revolver. You can do that, too, if you're armed and you're proficient with what you're doing. Now, I've got a bonus story I want to read, a couple bonus stories here. This is out of the paper. Deputies say woman shot, injured, after music complaint. And the reason I'm reading this story is because I had a similar situation happen to me. Didn't go to this extreme, but I'll explain This is Houston. Authorities said a Houston woman was shot and injured after complaining about loud music from a party. KTRX 
uh, KTRK TV reported that the woman was in her apartment Saturday night when she yelled at a group that was having a party in their complex's parking lot. The woman had asked the party goers to turn off their music and go elsewhere. Deputies said someone from the party went to the woman's apartment and the two started throwing bottles at each other. Investigators say that someone fired a shot from the parking lot, hitting the woman in her shoulder, and the, the injury was non-threatening. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up was I was at a hotel one time, and you know you pay for your room, you want to get some peaceful sleep, and a whole bunch of crazy drunk people are in the parking lot drinking, making a hell of a lot of noise, and you just can't go to sleep. So go out there and say, hey, you know, guys, tired, want to go to sleep, can you move it on? And man, you get hassled. It's a mob mentality. You got to be careful of that mob mentality, all right? Now, this is kind of interesting. It's not really interesting. It's stupid. So let's learn from this stupidity here. Man shoots self in stomach during daughter's party. Once again, Houston, must be something in the water. Authorities said, a suburb- like <laughs> Authorities said a suburban Houston man was injured after he accidentally shot himself in the stomach at his daughter's birthday party. The Harris County Sheriff's Office said the unidentified man was spinning a gun in his hand on Saturday when the weapon accidentally fired. Authorities said the accidental shooting took place during the party at the man's home for his 16-year-old daughter. The man was taken to the local hospital and treated. His condition was not immediately known. I know his condition. Stupid. <laughs> Spinning a, a weapon that's loaded. It was probably one of these. Uh, uh, it was probably a Glock with a three to five pound trigger. And you spin it and it hits it and it goes off. Okay. So don't do that. If you're going to do it, get a toy gun. Or make sure at least it's empty. One or two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got an opinion. And because we're going to be talking about the Second Amendment today, it's pretty much based on that, I guess. But it's not an opinion. It's going to be an observation piece. We changed it from opinion pieces because opinions aren't worth much. It's titled, Criminal, Ignorant, Fearful, and Just Plain Stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the Second Amendment, not to mention a lot of other things too, people have a tendency to fall into four different categories. Criminal, ignorant, fearful, and just plain stupid. Well, there is a fifth group. And that group consists of logical and patriotic people, which I admit proudly that I am one of. So what do I mean about the other four categories? Let me take them one at a time. These, of course, will be my observations and not opinions because we all know everyone has an opinion and they're not worth much. I'll start with criminal. These people know darn well that it's not the gun that causes the crime, but the people using the gun. However, they play with people's emotion to make guns look bad so they can further their agendas. Their basic agenda is, if the masses don't have guns, then they can do what they want with limited resistance. The second group are just plain ignorant. And now, ignorant's not a bad word, okay? It's just a definition of who they are. They mean well, but they're not knowledgeable on the topic and make bad decisions when it comes to gun laws. The third group is just fearful. These people are afraid of their own shadows. And we didn't even have a cardiac arrest if a gun was in 20 feet of their location. These people are typically wearing filter face masks, wipe their hands constantly with desanitizer, and rarely go out in public for fear of someone looking at them. Then, finally, comes the idiot. The person who's just clueless to life itself and is constantly allowing things to happen to them that a well-rounded person would be able to handle. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may think I'm harsh with my words, but is speaking the truth harsh? Why, yes, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's necessary. You see... I will never forget the men and women, past and present, who have worn or wear a uniform to protect our Constitution and Bill of Rights. 
And because of that, I will fight, rebuke, resist those who wish to alter, deny, or eliminate the Second Amendment or any part of the Bill of Rights or Constitution. So, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free and keep the criminal ignorant, fearful, and just plain stupid. To my left is the attorney extraordinaire, Benton Ross Watson. This um, segment is brought to you by Coppolino Dodd Krebs Law Firm. Ross, tell everybody about Respect. Respectforyou.com. Yeah. It's uh, Rick Dodd, Capilino Dodd and Krebs. Uh, not criminal law. We're talking about maybe a little today, but uh, you got some problems with big corporations or somebody that hurts you and you want some to get some respect for you, call Rick. It's a good connection there, the way they play that. Okay, so um, thanks, Rick, for the segment. And, Ross, what we're going to talk about today, we're doing a series uh, for the next 10 weeks. We're actually now this week and eight to follow. We're about the Bill of Rights and we're on number two, the Second Amendment. And that's a big one with a lot of people. So we're going to discuss that. I got a couple of comments that I want to make on it. But I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do this every week. I'm going to read the preamble to the Bill of Rights. And I'll say it again. When they, when they ratified the Constitution, they wanted to make sure that certain things were not misunderstood. So the preamble to the Bill of Rights reads as follows. The conventions of a number of the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. And as extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the benefits, the, the beneficence ends of its institutions. Okay, I think I screwed that word up. The Second Amendment reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And my first thing is going to be this. The word infringed. When you look it up in the definition, it's like it says, don't jack with it. The other thing about the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment protects all the other ones. Without the Second Amendment, anybody can jack with the one through nine, mess with the Constitution, because there's, no, there's nobody, the people, to make sure that government doesn't go rogue. Okay, so the Second Amendment is very important. And um, I'm sure you have a, a lot of things you want to go over on, on it as well. So why don't we start off with that? I would definitely say, though, that uh, it, it, my opinion is that every single one of the amendments are as important as the next one. And I said last week when we did our show on the First Amendment that if you go through us uh, all the way through the Bill of Rights, uh, through this series, that you'll see each and every single one of them right, is intertwined and and depends on the other one uh, without your free speech and you without your right to assemble you couldn't associate and communicate with other people without the fourth amendment you wouldn't be able to protect your personal liberty your your freedom of movement right you wouldn't be able to protect your personal private matters from government without the second amendment you wouldn't be able to use force to protect these things it would be right slaves of tyranny um, there would be no way for us to fight back you you'll see from the fifth amendment we could be railroaded <laughs> i mean a lot of times you're already railroaded without these rights and that's shows the importance of them even in all the times we talk about all the strange cases that come about everything that the rights that we do have but yet the system is still skewed think about if we didn't have these things yep and so it all of them are are extremely important and so i mean today we are talking about the second amendment and I want to make a comment about what you just said. If if you're a Game of Thrones enthusiast, there was uh, one episode where uh, Lord Baelish is talking to Queen Cersei, 
And he says to her, knowledge is power. And all of a sudden, she starts giving commands to her bodyguards to slice his throat, to hold him prisoner, so on and so forth. And she kept changing her mind in an instant. Every second she would change her mind and they would just obey her, every, every word. And she goes, no, power is power. <laughs> and so when I say Second Amendment is the one that protects all the others, you have all these powers and the rights, the Bill of Rights, but this one's got the meat and potatoes to it that protects all the rest. And, and so as, as far as the muscle aspect is concerned, the Second Amendment definitely brings that to the table. And so that's what really, though, is argued by the camp that says that uh, the Second Amendment right doesn't protect our right to bear arms. They say that uh, by stating that a well-regulated militia has the beginning clause, as the clause that sort of inter- introduces the amendment, that those opponents are going to say that this was only meant for right people in the military this is only meant for to protect the right of sort of state militias sort of the congress's right to right maneuver the militias and that they could take that right away and so that's where dc versus heller came in with scalia and we i'm going to talk about that today but i wanted to start off with you know um can i can i hold your thought for a second i gotta say this you're reading this, and it makes me think of people when they look at it, and they read the Second Amendment. Not that you did this. I'm just saying you said something that made me think of this. People look at the Second Amendment as a bullet point. They say, the militia. They don't do their history. They don't do their homework. And they don't realize that we, the citizens, are the militia. And you can see that in all different documentation throughout the history of this country, its formation, and all, all the letters and documents that the founding fathers wrote. You don't have to just read this per se. You can read all the supportive element as to how they came down to write it in the Second Amendment form that we, the people, are the, the militia. At any moment, we can bear arms, and we're ready to go. That was, that was actually a, a great, great introduction to what Scalia said in his opinion piece so so when he when he came into that decision he said remember i always talk about words mean things absolutely okay and so when you talk about a a a grammar grammatical genius you're talking about scalia and the best so some of this is way over our heads but right of the people so right of the people they would not have used the people when we're talking about a militia in this context on the federal level so when we're talking about the people, we're talking about the personal rights here. And so we're not talking about any one group. We're talking about the common. So if we're talking about the people, it's an individual right. And that's another thing, like you just said, infringed. I always talk about when we look at the Second Amendment, we know that that right existed. And we talk about there's rights inherent, ordained by God. There's natural rights to man that the government right had no right to take from you. It goes all the way back to Magna Carta. And so when we talk about those rights but it cannot be infringed that means the right already exists and so this amendment wasn't giving us anything it was simply saying that the government can't come in and infringe that right that already exists and so can i can i ask something yeah, before you yeah. get it if it says it can't be infringed and that's in the constitution the bill of rights okay and anything not written in the constitution the bill of rights is left up to the states to determine if it says in here it shall not be infringed, how can the state, where does the state find that they can infringe upon us on how we carry, who carries, what you can carry, and all that? How does that work? So so a lot of that is, is really hard for me to answer right now. I mean, this is really a, an area of developing law. Remember, we talked about United States versus Miller. 
And that goes back to like the 1930s. That was one of the first, you know, Second Amendment cases. And remember, we we spoke about it was kind of a set up deal where it was a gangster that really never even contested it. He was just trying to get government help to get away from people who were trying to assassinate him, who eventually did assassinate him. And so it goes up to the Supreme Court level. And there's and there's nobody even challenging on the other side. It's essentially like a default judgment. Like you are suing somebody, you hire Rick to sue you, uh, somebody that hits you in a car wreck, and then you, you, you file a lawsuit and they don't answer and you show up you know after 30 days and you just you and the judge and you get a default judgment that's sort of what happened here was no contest and so the the court just sort of assumed went along with the with the state's argument that okay well the second amendment doesn't apply and that you know it's not infringed by this you know uh gun control act and so that's how we got there and then so uh, several years later several we have dc versus heller come in and tell us look this is an individual right it's protected by the second amendment it was a natural right it pre-existed right during the times of the founding the founding respected this right this right applies keep and bear arms has the same meaning back then as it does today that we can carry Mm -hmm. arms and it doesn't apply to a militia because the militia is made up by the people and it only made sense that if you wanted to take away the militia all you had to do was take away the people's firearms and you had so many state constitutions with personal rights during this time say that there was for self-preservation self-defense you had several including texas's constitution that included a, a right to carry and bear arms to protect yourself to hunt to protect your property and these had nothing to do with the militia and so they looked at all of those laws and so we 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 said that guns that were commonly right equipped for military use were actually rights that were protected to the people and so your question is a hard one but we start off with you wanted people during that time period to know how to use a weapon in case something were to you know to use modern day terminology pop off okay if something if if we were to get invaded and we needed to call a militia quick you didn't want to have to train your populace how to use a weapon they already knew how to use a weapon they knew how to respect weapons they knew what to do with it as soon as they were called to duty Mm -hmm. and they were not scared to be called to duty because they were well trained because they always had these on them and And patriotic and so those things were military weapons during that time period and so today the tough question is to strike a proper balance do we want people walking around with bazookas you know 50 cows probably not but at the same time do we want responsible people trained to use those and able to use those in a safe way that we're sure of or is that is that permissible and so i would i would say yes let and me so- make let me make a comment on the bazooka thing i, I know rick brings this up to a nuclear bomb and all this kind of stuff use the first amendment to prevent that from happening and let me let me tell you what i mean if you've got somebody carrying a bazooka for self-defense he's going to be shamed or she's going to be shamed by all the other reasonable people saying man you idiot what the heck you carrying a bazooka for and he's going to get to the point where it's no fun he's not cool he's not hip because he probably is a loser to begin with because he's got to carry a bazooka you know how it's like if you're a, a guy and you get a, a corvette what people say about you you know you're using the corvette to um make up for yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, so he's got a bazooka because he's trying to make up for some, you know, Well, the thing, well, the th- well, 
you got to realize there are dangerous people out there and there are people that are going to try to hurt us, not just to be cool, not just to fit in. Maybe they want to get their message across in a dangerous way. To do it, maybe it's just for attention. But regardless, there are some people that the state feels they have a right to regulate to some degree. Felons, uh, which we've already talked about to some degree, That's uh, it's, uh, it's a little absurd in some cases, but in other cases, it's well-deserved. And right, the democracy, the republic that we have is not perfect and so we have to try to strike some sort of middle ground a compromise about what we can regulate and what we can't and we're, we're getting into these cases so then then we had um mcdonald versus chicago that was a 2010 after after heller came came in and it was a basically it was chicago trying to prevent uh, you know everybody from owning a handgun and we now know from that case that the second amendment does apply to the states okay and it's sort of complicated originally the the bill of rights were said not to apply to the states it was just a, a federal thing it only prevented the federal government from coming in and doing something the states already had their own rights and it was understood that they were separate and during that time period a lot more rights were given on the state level than they were on the federal level anyway okay aside you know from the bad things slavery and, and such but from just a general standpoint, a lot of times the state rights gave more, and they still give more in, to some degree, but that case talked about incorporation, and after the Civil War, we had the 14th Amendment. And when we had the 14th Amendment come about, that incorporated all the Bill of Rights, okay, to control state-level state, state level operations. Not every single one of them. And remember, there's clauses within the Bill of Rights. Each amendment has its own separate clauses, and so some clauses were said to apply, some were said to not to apply. But here we have the Second Amendment now being incorporated either by the Privileges and Immunities Clause within the 14th Amendment or the Due Process Clause. Regardless, we know that it's incorporated and applies on the state level. And so because it applies on the state level, the state could not come in. And remember, D.C., Columbia, right, was not necessarily a, a state okay it was its own little mm. nation its own little independent right. body okay and so this case was important because it applied on the state level to prevent chicago from the municipality from regulating the second amendment rights so now we know that we have this right and now the question is right what does it apply to well, we have several cases of fifth circuit opinion talking about felons possessing firearms they they upheld the Right, the laws outlawing that it was not unconstitutional. But then, then in 2016, we had Catano versus Massachusetts. It was about a stun gun. And it's a very good case. And so, what happened here is that the state of Massachusetts outlawed stun guns and made it a crime, essentially, to have that type of weapon. And Miss Catano. Right, was caught with one of these weapons when she was in her purse. Uh, when she was talking to police officers about another case, they saw the stun gun in her purse and they ended up arresting her and convicting her. Well, they ended up going all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And really, it's not even that long of opinion and it's a great read. It's short and it's aggressive. It's my kind of style of case that I like to read. And they went real quick at the beginning and I'm going to read some of Justice Alito's uh, concurring opinion, but they, they talked about, they first said that stun guns are not 
legal. This is the lower courts in in Massachusetts said they weren't legal because they were not in common use at the time the Second Amendment's enactment. And if you remember, see, I'm I'm kind of getting your question, but your question is very broad. Okay. Justice Scalia said that we don't apply constitutional amendments right in a vacuum that was back in the 1700s. We apply it not necessarily. He didn't believe in necessarily involving constitution either, but we've got to apply it to the everyday right sort of circumstance. Okay, and so what was common back then was common. Was common was muskets now. today okay, common is handguns absolutely. And so in in the Heller case, he said this co very common. Most Americans do have the handguns. It's essential for home defense use this is what the fundamentals of the second amendment were made to protect right we cannot we cannot come in and infringe on that right and so that was the right even though handguns weren't there at the time the second amendment was enacted it's a common use mm -hmm. okay and so they said that's absurd to say that because stun guns weren't in use at the time the second amendment was enacted that it's illegal that that's absurd and then the, the, the lower courts said that... Hold on a second. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very interesting. While he's reading, the number here at the studio is 254-697-6633. I'm sure somebody's got a question. Go ahead. And then and then the lower courts in Massachusetts also said that it, that the, they were they were illegal because... And it was constitutional because the, the guns were unusual because they were a thoroughly modern invention. Well, the Supreme Court said... That's the same thing. That's the exact same thing as what we just said. Just because it's not in use at the time of the Second Amendment doesn't mean that it's not common. To say that it's a new invention would be to say that it, you know, it was not in use at the time of the Second Amendment. Therefore, it's since it's since it's now common today, mm -hmm. as an invention, we can't use it. They said no, we're not going to go with that. And then I talked about well, a stun gun. Is different from what Scalia said because it's not readily adaptable to military use, and they it, we don't only look at the weapons that were adaptable for military use. There are other things other than a militia. We're not only concerned with the militia. We're concerned with personal preservation, protection of your home, protection of your family, protection of your property, to go hunting, to go in sporting events. Uh, we are um, also going to turn in, in personal liberty, okay? And so these things, right, were ridiculous to say that it was constitutional to outlaw stun guns. And there was evidence presented before the court. And this, I thought you would really like this opinion because you're always talking about the club. Remember, you always bring up the, the clubs. Mm -hmm. And so I think that eventually some of the Texas laws on the books are going to be called into question because of this Catano case. But what, call, what causes a law to be in question? Somebody gets arrested and wants to fight it? Exactly. So, so Ms. Catano got, a, got a convicted for having this stun gun. Mm -hmm. and, and here's what Alito says. After a bad he starts the opinion like this is beautiful. After a bad altercation with an abusive boyfriend put, put her in the hospital, Jamie Catano found herself homeless in fear of her life. She obtained multiple restraining orders against her abuser, but they proved futile. So when a friend offered her a stun gun for self-defense against her former boyfriend, Caetano accepted the weapon. It is a good thing she did. One night after leaving work, Caetano found her ex-boyfriend waiting for her outside. He started screaming that she was not going to expletive work at this place anymore because she should be at home with her kids they had together. 
Caton's abuser towered over her by nearly a foot and outweighed her by close to a hundred pounds. She didn't need physical strength to protect herself. She stood her ground, displayed the stun gun, and announced, I'm not going to take this anymore. I don't want to have to use the stun gun on you, but if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to have to. The gambit worked. The ex-boyfriend got scared and left her alone. It is settled that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to keep and bear arms that applies against the federal government and the states. That right vindicates the basic rights of individual self-defense. Caetano's encounter with her violent ex-boyfriend illustrates the connection between those fundamental rights. By arming herself, Caetano was able to protect against physical threat that restraining orders had proved useless to prevent. And commendably, she did so by using a weapon that posed little, if any, danger of permanently harming either herself or the father of her children. Under Massachusetts law, however, Caetano's mere possession of the gun that may have saved her life actually made her a criminal. When police later discovered the weapon, she was arrested, tried, convicted. Massachusetts Supreme Court affirmed the conviction, holding that the stun gun is not the type of weapon that is eligible for sec Second Amendment protection because it was not in common use at the time of the Second Amendment's enactment. This reasoning defies our decision in Heller, which rejected such arguments as frivolous, those not that only those arms in existence at the 18th century are protected by the Second Amendment. The decision below also gave also does a grave disservice to vulnerable individuals like Caetano who must defend themselves because the state will not. Couldn't have said it better myself. Man, he goes on there, but I won't read it all, but man, he really comes out with fire in that opinion, and I think he hits the very heart of the issue, and it's like you said, when we talk about the, the girls, and, we, and I'm not being sexist, but when we, my, I look, I think about my boss when she goes running right i i want her to be able to carry something like that in case something happens and and it's not always feasible to carry a firearm on you in in situations like that and i know you have some some gadgets and gizmos but but still it, sometimes those types of devices are a whole lot even more safe because she can hold it in one hand, it's right here, ready, ready to go if something ever happens right on the spot. And I don't so, care what it is, as long as it does the job, you know? Exactly, and so I, I think that you see, it just kind of answers your question, right? What kind of weapons, do, you know, what, 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 when is this regu state regulation, when can they regulate and when can they not, and, and why can they regulate and why can't they? Who would have thought that the Second Amendment, you know, just 10 years ago, would have included stun guns. I agree with the opinion, absolutely, because the fundamental right is the exact same. Mm -hmm. It is the fundamental right that they're protecting, not the object. They're not protecting the weapon. They're protecting the right. And so I believe that the opinion does the Second Amendment justice, and I believe it hits it right nail on the head. But how far, what what specific weapons are they going to accept, uh, you know, accept as, as being protected by the Constitution? You know, time's just going to have to tell. And... With, with here, um, th remember, I th they have evidence that many, many, many people are trying to use these these types of devices. And so that was presented to the Supreme Court, and they considered that. And I, I think that that did play a role. And a lot of this was statistics are done by the NRA. So, I mean, that's what, th that's what that organization gives you. I'm silent because I have so many questions running through my head, I don't know what to ask. It's just... You can go in so many different directions with this. 
and I, I think I think what I want to run away with is that people need to just not read at face value what the Second Amendment means. You've got to learn its history. You've got to understand it like you're explaining here. And once you have a better understanding, you see how it applies better and how much more uh, you want to protect it. People get very misguided when they see militia and they have to have an understanding of it. And there's other rights that we're going to be going over as the as time goes by that I'm sure other people will not truly understand until we explain it. But, I mean, explaining it in this manner opens up to a lot of people that there's still a lot of confusion and we have to be very careful in how we handle ourselves. Well, thank you. So Scalia pointed out in, in his Heller opinion that that we have just time after time, time again, when uh, emperors or kings or totalitarianism regimes wanted to control the people, they didn't always disband the militia. They just disarmed them and disarmed the people. And so it, it, a, real, a well-regulated militia being necessary, necessary to the security of a free state is absolutely true because we want, like we said, we wanted our people to understand, be trained, be armed, be ready, be able to defend themselves in an instant when tyranny was, right, gonna, was on our doorstep. I was just going to bring that up. We keep talking about self-defense, but one of the main reasons for us to bear arms is in case we have a rogue government. We're supposed to be able to protect our government from people with inside it becoming rogue. How are you going to do that with a musket? You've got to maintain modern arms to what your government authority has. Otherwise, it's going to be a bloodbath. Correct. And so you'll see on TV and a lot of Internet websites, they say that, the, you know, based on that opinion, I don't know what they're reading, that based on that opinion... You can't have modern-day weaponry. Well, that's not that's not at all what they said, obviously, because they just said it doesn't depend on whether they existed at the time of the Second Amendment's enactment. Yes, it talked about there being very extreme, high-tech high military weapons that obviously we're not going to give right to society. I don't even think you would argue with a lot of those weapons that we're talking about, but... Uh, you know, at some level, there's got to be a compromise, but we're definitely not saying that no advancements in weaponry can be made. Remember, we're not protecting the weaponry. We're protecting the right. I concur. There's, um, I, I don't know, there's, if, if you look at it, if the government doesn't like a certain sector, they're going to put a drone strike on you so an AR-15 and semi-auto mode is not going to do a damn bit of good anyway correct. And then we, yeah correct just, I mean obviously the, the drones is a, a another thing but you know if people are resilient if something did happen I, I'm sure people would find a way to take them down and it was you know if we didn't have any we would sure be more vulnerable than if we do well it's like I wrote my opinion piece the reason they want to take them away the basic agenda for taking away the gun is to prevent resistance from those who disagree with those in charge. So if you've got a, a criminal a group that's in charge and they want to take away your guns and say, well, we, we got it, they can't really resist us, we're going to do what we want to do. So, so right. Sometimes you get a, a good a old mentor uh, of mine used to say, sometimes you just got to make them come to their milk. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, sometimes even if you're fighting a losing battle, Sometimes the fight is what counts. Sounds good. And Rick, we appreciate Copeland with Dodd Krebs Law Firm for sponsoring this long segment. And uh, respectforyou.com. Check it out. Joel, let's, um, let's take a break. 
And when we come back, we'll have the delicious Janae Goodman talking about the food culture. See you on the other side. Honey is celebrated in the culinary world for its versatility. It's used in a variety of dips, desserts, and other dishes. So what's all the buzz about it? I've got your answer to this and more. I'm Janae Goodman, and this is Tactical Snacking. It's hot, sticky, and sweet. It's one of the many world wonders. Honey is produced by bees and comes in a variety of types, clover and buckwheat honey being some that you might be familiar with. The difference between honey varieties rests in a few factors, color and flavor profile being the two most important details. This really only makes a difference if you plan on using your honey for specific tasks. For instance, buckwheat honey is useful for mead making because of its deep, complex taste that's similar to molasses. It lends itself very well to spices and herbs. Clover and wildflower honey carry a more subtle taste, and they make a great choice for general use or for someone who's not really looking for an overwhelming flavor. I like to call these beginner honeys because they make a great introduction for the product. You may have heard that honey is better for you than regular table sugar. Now, there's some truth in that statement, but I don't want you to be fooled. When compared side by side, honey can be just as caloric, if not more caloric, than white granulated sugar. The two contain about the same amount of carbs and sugars as well. So why is it that you tend to hear honey being the healthier option of the two? Honey is lower on the glycemic index than sugar, meaning that it doesn't raise your blood sugar as quickly. It also contains a higher level of natural sweetness or fructose than white sugar does. That means that you tend to use less honey to achieve the same amount of sweetness. Honey may have up to 80 different vitamins and minerals that we all need. This includes iron, potassium, calcium, and so much more. The darker your honey, the more antioxidants it carries. Now compare that to white granulated sugar, which virtually has no helpful vitamins or minerals. You've probably heard the scoop on honey being used for medicinal purposes. If not, let me let you in on what it's all about. Raw honey is helpful for treating burns, even those caused by the sun. It carries antibacterial properties and offers soothing relief. It can also help ulcers and act in place of minor wound dressings. Manuka honey is best for medicinal use. Can't stop coughing? A spoonful of honey just might be your relief. Some studies support the sweet nectar being just as effective as an over-the-counter cough suppressant. Mix it up with lemon and warm water just before bed for a less severe cough and a better night of rest. Unfortunately, this won't be the answer to curing your allergies. Some believe eating locally sourced honey will help reduce your reaction to allergies because of its pollen content. However, there is no direct link between reduced allergies and local honey. Honey can also be used for skin and hair as well. Add a squeeze of honey to your shampoo for a natural moisturizer. It may even strengthen hair follicles. Use it on your skin to reduce acne or to reduce the signs of aging. Honey's antioxidant properties are great for both. Can you believe it? Honey has been found to be one of the oldest foods, and guess what? It doesn't spoil. It should be kept at room temperature, and if you put it in the fridge, it will crystallize. If you've made this mistake, just put your waterproof container of honey in hot water and leave it at room temperature until it gets back to the liquid gold consistency. You can also scrape it into a container and put it in the microwave for a few seconds before letting it sit out at room temperature. I love using honey in my recipes, but I hate cleaning it up. To make things easier along the way, I use a small bit of spray oil in my measuring utensils for an easier cleanup. It also helps make it a more accurate measurement. 
Thinking about adding honey to your marinade? Well, you wouldn't be wrong for doing so. Before you move forward, I do think you should know that honey has the properties to break down meat. Honey contains an enzyme that breaks down meat very similar to the way that pineapple juice does. It is a highly acidic item. However, honey is too viscous to work on its own, so I do recommend adding liquid to your marinade. As wonderful of a product as honey is, please do not give it to children younger than the age of two. You may be surprised that this isn't a choking hazard. Honey can actually induce infant botulism. That's a food poisoning that's caused by a certain bacterium that's found in the honey. While older children and adults are able to fend against the dose found in honey, infants have not developed an immune system to help fight this disease. If you thought this segment was a bee's knees, let me know. Shoot me an email at tacticalsnacking at yahoo.com. As always, thanks for spending your time with me. Enjoy your sweet, sweet weekend. And until next time, stay hungry, my friends. And uh, time's a ticking away. So until next week, keep your batter dry. God bless. And uh, continue with the emails. Give us some topics that you want to go over. We'll see what we can do to uh, comply. Until next week, take care.